This realm is your realm This realm is my realm From dragon's den to The elven kingdom From the moot of many To the giant snail city This realm was made by you and me Hello and welcome to This Realm Is Your Realm. It's a podcast where together we build a fantasy world one episode at a time for everyone to play D&D in, write stories about, or interweave with dark power to curse one's enemies. Joining me today is Benjamin, whose magical familiar is the Geico Gecko. I'm sorry, I'm going to need a minute for that one. With me is Adrian, the most warlike of the warlocks. Ah, I like that. Today's quest is another side quest following up on our magic episode, which we released this week with our first guest, Jasper. We touched on a lot of different things. We decided on a medium rare, as we called it, magic system that uh, where anyone can learn magic and there's lots of different ways to use magic. And it's ubiquitous in certain settings, like our magical snail city, and other places it's quite rare. So today we're going to go through some of the suggestions that we got uh, since the podcast has been released for the topic of magic and our magic system. We got some great suggestions, and we've got our D12 table of many things, table of slightly less things again today. And we're just kind of going to run through these in another little mini app. Should I start the timer? Sure. Are you going to roll first or should I? Uh, you can roll first because I actually forgot my dice today. Wow. Okay. Hold on. We got a four. An individual who uses blood or dark magic for good on behalf of their village. For example, that uh, suggestion comes to us from Tristan. Thank you, Tristan. That's really interesting. We haven't had uh, such a specific suggestion for a character yet do we want mm-hmm. to keep that as a character or do we want to make it like something a little bit bigger like maybe an a order or a society i mean we could have this as a society wherein the individual is like an important aspect of that society you yeah know? totally like um with our our magical city wherein we have the queen right the magic right. queen who possesses her daughters like we we have an idea of that character right that's true and what that society looks like built around her. If we can build sort of like a town or a village or a city around this individual who uses blood or dark magic, then I think that's the way to go. I think that's really cool too. I would maybe have it rather be like a faction rather because we've just been creating so many towns and cities and nations. You're right. We have. And not as many organizations. So maybe this could be, yeah. Organization in what way? Like an order of of sorcerers or whatever, where it's their mission is to to use blood or what's considered dark magic for good or for, yeah, for altruistic purposes. So not an individual. You're thinking more of this as being an entire... Well, I think that the individual could be the, you know, the center of it, the lead, like you were saying, who the organization is built around and maybe began okay, with this yeah, individual, yeah, yeah, yeah. but is a bigger force in the world than just one person. Who uses blood magic? We haven't really talked about the idea of blood or dark magic. That was something we sort of skirted around last episode other than talking about demons and how you create those and making pacts with dark sort of entities. Yeah. What do you, Adrian, let me ask you a question. Okay. What do you consider to be dark magic? Like what constitutes dark magic in your mind? Off the bat, what I think of when I think of dark magic is like when you have to spill your own blood or sacrifice other people or other living things to create magic. You know, if you have to sacrifice an animal, you know, that kind of thing, sort of maybe the Macbeth, which is vibes, you know, Eye of Newt dead baby in the pot, that sort of thing. Also, I think of necromancy, 
is often considered a dark sort of magic because you're bringing your it's unnatural, right? You're bringing dead things back to life. Well, all magic is unnatural. That's the nature of magic, isn't it? Is it? Is it? It certainly breaks physics laws. In our world, yeah. But maybe the, you know, who knows what the physics laws are in, in Starscar. Okay, so you think that dark magic has to have some aspect of like hurting other people or else hurting oneself? I don't think that it has to, but that's definitely what I think of. I mean, what else... You know, dark magic, I guess, is a question for our world is, is dark magic, is that an objective thing or is that a societal thing where certain societies look at certain types of magic as being dark or evil, but it's not a law of the universe? I don't know. It's all based around context, right, of what you're doing with the magic, how the magic is performed. Well, it depends, right? Because in some worlds, that's certainly true that you can use kind of dark magic, but it is, uh, well, what are you using it for? But in other worlds, like I would say Star Wars, not to say that the Force is basically magic. I was going to bring up Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. In Star Wars, as far as, as I'm concerned, and maybe this is a bit controversial, but I think definitely people have people involved in the writing of this universe have said that you can't really use the dark side for good. That like by using accessing the dark side, you are corrupted by that and you will inevitably start to act selfishly. Like you can't be like, oh, like I'm shooting force lightning to save orphans. That means like I'm a light side user. <laughs> but then it's like what makes force lightning inherently evil, you know? I, I think it's because you have to access you. The only way to produce force lightning is by accessing the dark side and by accessing the dark side you will inevitably do bad things. I think is I think is what it is in Star Wars. Yeah, but do you understand what I mean? Like what what about lightning is so evil? Why can't people why can't good people use lightning too? I know it's like it's an it's an issue of like where you're accessing it from, but like right. what about lightning makes it evil? Nothing, I think, other than it that it's can only really be used, at least in Star Wars, to kill and torture people. But and certainly that's a rule of the Star Wars universe, right? That while, you know, in other universes, lightning, you know, certainly in D&D, lightning isn't inherently an evil magic. Yeah. So in our universe, are there rules as to what is evil and good magic, or is it purely societal? Yeah, I guess, I guess what we need to decide is, is dark magic dark because of the way that you access it? Or is it dark because of what it does to other people? Or is it just dark because that's how people see it, right? Yeah, or that. Access-wise, we're channeling Star Wars. Mm. Like, if, if it's dark magic through access, yeah, anything that comes out of that accessing that dark well within oneself is is dark magic. If we're going the opposite way, where it just, if it hurts people, it's dark magic. That's like the Harry Potter route. Right. And we have the unforgivable curses. Yeah. I don't know. I prefer a more nuanced look of things. So it's like, but that's also difficult to come up with in like, in a... 37 minute time frame. <laughs> so for simplicity's sake, maybe just like if it, I'm kind of unforgivable curses route. Like where yeah, maybe that's people. what I'm thinking. Yeah. So then I, I like that this, I want this organization to be complicated. And so I do feel like maybe they do sacrifice, you know, part of themselves or animals or even people maybe, but they, they see it as being for the greater good. Mm -hmm. Example there is like a really horrible drought or whatever in this village and they want to help the village. But in order to summon a big spell to bring the rains, they have to sacrifice someone. They will do that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll pick like a criminal or whatever. Or maybe they make the village choose someone or whatever. It has to be a child. <laughs> yeah, whatever. But they'll, they, they're they basically like ends justify the means, I guess. Yeah, I like that. Are they like a roving band that just like goes from place to place helping people through dark magic means yeah i think or they could send like operatives out i don't know what do you think 
I kind of like them just traveling around as like a big group, Ooh, like showing up in towns and being like, all right, what's your problems? <laughs> and then people going, oh, well, you know, like everybody has everybody over the age of 12 has rickets <laughs> and then being like, oh, well, who's the newest born baby in town? We'll just <laughs> throw it down this well and you guys will all be good. Yeah. And they'd be like, if you're not willing to make the sacrifice, then I guess you'll have to live with your rickets. Like, you have to live with way- your rickets. Cool. Rickets is such a magical sounding (laughs) problem. Cool. Okay. I I think this is cool. So then, yeah, they, when we talk about blood or dark magic, we're talking about, yeah, like sacrifices and maybe necromancy as well. Do they get paid for this or do they do it purely altruistically? I kind of like that they're altruistic and that they like, they go town to town and like they're like people will feed them maybe like they'll they'll like depend on the uh, goodness of others. It's really like, it's really like a very nice altruistic friendly group they play guitar as they come through town yeah. and everything but they do do human sacrifice as well i like the idea <laughs> i remember listening to a podcast episode that was talking about the pied piper the real pied piper oh right 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 the history that that may be based on and one of the theories is that the pied piper may have been a priest who convinced children to go off on the children's crusade but they were saying that this may be have sort of evolved into the idea of the Pied Piper because at that time in the Middle Ages, I guess, I don't know if this is even true, but um, priests wore very bright colors, like like traveling, sort of traveling mm. priests who who passed through towns and tried to convince people to go on pilgrimages and crusades. They wore like very bright colored robes to attract like attention and seem like welcoming. So I thought that would be cool for this order if they use really dark magic, but like you're saying, they're kind of this roving band yeah. who's very friendly if they were also, they wore very bright colors. I really like that too, because that's definitely like switching things up from the normal view of dark blood magic users, right? Yeah. Where they're all wearing hood, hooded cowls. Yeah. No, I think it's, and it's an interesting image. And there's something a bit creepy about it too, right? Motley. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. All in motley robes. With masks. They're the, they're the motley crew. They're the motley crew. Can that be their name? I don't mind the word Motley in their name. (laughs) Probably not Motley Crew, because that's just the band. But uh, the Motley Mass—that's kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, it sort of suggests a religious element to it too, which you were kind of hinting at with the Pied Piper sort of deal. Could be called the Motleys too. Let's put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. Maybe people call them the Motleys just as a as a nickname. Oh, the Motleys are in town. We can finally cure Billy's rickets. <laughs> it's always rickets. Their specialty is rickets. I was going to say, should we try to get into the individual or I think we have to move on? Well, let's spend one minute on it. What culture are they? Elf. Okay. Half elf. Half, half elf. Half elf. Sure. We haven't talked about half elves at all, but I think this is a cool idea for it. What is their specialty? Mm, I think it would be cool if their specialty was um, tracking or finding things because the idea then would be that they had found all these other mages um, to be part of their order. Ooh, so blood magic to find. That's kind of the opposite of um, the Pied Piper too. Okay, so a half-elf whose specialty is finding things. What gender are they? Female. I don't think we've had a lot of... Okay. Have we had a lot of women? Well, we've got our empress. Okay, so a female specialty in finding things, a half-elf. What what's like the what's the first thing you notice about their look? Uh, I think it'd be cool if she's really tall. Okay, like she's like six six or something, but not like not like muscle bound, just like super tall, (laughs) just like real skinny. Not real skinny, (laughs) just like a big stick. Well, that's kind of cool too. An average build, six foot six female elf whose specialty is her specialty is finding things just because she can see over top of (laughs) it. All right, cool. Do we need anything else for that right now? No, I think I think we'll put a pin in it. Your turn to roll. I got a two. That's this is a suggestion from Reddit. 
three spheres of magic, mind, soul, and body from Kaboom360. Oh, lovely. Let me just pull up that comment so that I know, because Kaboom said, I've always liked the idea that there are three spheres of power in magic, soul, body, and mind. Soul magic deals with necromancy, fate, and banishment concealment. Body deals with transmutation enhancement, conjuring, and teleportation. And mind deals with divination, scrying, illusions, etc. Okay. They would be treated as different schools, and you have to sort of dedicate yourself to one. It's quite a structured look at magic in terms of dividing into these three separate kind of schools and, and areas than we have than we sort of established last episode. Do you feel like this fits into what we've already established? Uh, I think it does, yeah. So I'm thinking like in traditional D&D, you've got, is it nine schools of magic? Yeah, well, yeah, right? there's all the, yeah. So I think that this would work really well for like, if we're talking about like magic schools or whatever, if you're going to like magic university, you'd be like, oh, what are you studying? Oh, I'm studying soul magic. Right. What's your specialty? Yeah, I like What's that. What's your major? Yeah. My major is soul. <laughs> your major specifically. My major specifically is soul. You just like drop into a James Brown split. Absolutely. <laughs> Do we think this is a objective thing about magic or is this just a method of learning or, or a, a taxonomy that is applied by tradition? Um, I think that's a text, maybe a taxonomy applied by tradition. Like if you were, it's kind of like how the sciences are divided, Right. right. Like it's a traditional way of looking at things, but like biology and chemistry have lots to do with one another and you yep. could theoretically make another science out of the combination of the two, right? Right. So, or else, yeah, just a more traditional way of separating the magic for people to understand. Cool. I agree. Because then I feel like, yeah, if we had talked about people maybe just being able to learn magic completely on their own, you know, someone who has no access to a mentor or a school or whatever. So I think they may not be concerned with whether or not they're studying mind, soul, or body. But mm. when you go to a magic school or you learn from a traditionally schooled wizard, they will say, you know, I am a mind specialist. And so I'll teach you in the school of the mind. Or, you know, you have the opportunity to choose if you're going to a school. So it's more of a traditional way of looking at things, specifically yeah. from the point of view of, of like a structured education. And in D&D terms, this is probably most relevant to wizards because the idea is that wizards learn their magic through years yeah. of study. And so then it would probably mostly be wizards who are looking at things as mind, soul, and body. And like if you, for example, the snail city, right? like people there probably just don't care. Like they're probably just whizzing around doing whatever. Yeah. But perhaps those are more so considered like jacks of all trades. And with these three different kind of uh, groupings, you can become very skilled in one. That's what I was just thinking, yeah. So an illusionist, you know, who's like a crazy mind specialist would be like those people who who don't know about or don't think of the mind, soul, and body triad, you know, they'll never reach the potential in, in mind magic that I have because I've focused so heavily on it. Yes. I think we can put a pin in that. Perfect. Cool. I really like that. Thank you, Kaboom. Yeah, thank you, Kaboom360. Oh, my turn to roll. Mm-hmm. One, keep magic nebulous. That comes from Glim at Glimmeron Art. Yeah, so at uh, Glim at Glimmeron Art on Twitter sent that in to us, as well as with a very nice comment, which was super nice. Yeah, we this is sort of a running counter to what we just did, but I did want to stick it on here. We kind of already did this in our last episode because we originally the idea was that our magic was going to be sort of fairly nebulous. So I put this on here as an idea of like, oh, is it contradictory to have sort of something like Kaboom's three spheres of magic with this idea of nebulous magic. But I think we've kind of established a way to have both. I think so, yeah. I did have to look up what nebulous meant, I will <laughs> admit, because uh, I thought it had to do with clouds. 
and I thought they were suggesting that all magic be cast through clouds. Um, <laughs> That's which an interesting I enjoyed, method on its own. But, yeah, that could be really yeah. cool. Okay, I'll roll again. Or you can roll, actually, if you sure. want. Sure. I got 11. Magic makes you sick. Oh. From Chris the Guy. Not Chris, our friend, but our new friend, Chris the Guy on Reddit, said some forms of magic can make the user sick. I'm thinking like healing magic really wears the user out. Maybe not to the point of death, but they may become more susceptible to disease. Maybe illusionists start to have delusions or hear voices and destruction casters develop hairpin triggers. It could just be that all forms of magic make people ill after a while. I think over short periods of time, the effects are reversible by just not casting magic, but long-term magic use could have lasting effects. What do you think about this? I really like that idea. I like the idea of magic having consequences in some cases. Me too. Um, We can kind of smash this up with something that someone else said. Uh, Evil Genius, that's right. Evil Genius on Reddit said something similar, saying that different types of magic had different costs. Um, They divided it as in terms of divine, infernal, and nature magic having different costs rather than, you know, healing magic and et cetera. But it's the same idea that basically using magic over time starts to affect you, whether that's making you sick or changing who you are, your personality or or something like that. So certain kinds of magic or is it just prolonged? Is it a chronic thing or is it an acute thing? Is it acute in the sense that like certain kinds of magic will hurt the user? I think it's more any kind of magic over enough time. So more chronic. Yeah. 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 The chronic. The chronic. We got the chronic, as Dr. Dre might say. Yeah, I think we can maybe dive into it on a later episode, but I do really like the idea that, you know, if you use magic sparingly, then you might not suffer any permanent effects, but that repeated frequent magic use over time will have its impacts on you. So, you know, an ancient wizard who has been using magic, you know, every day over the course of decades by the end of their life, maybe, depending on the kind of magic they're using, may be very sick or very frail or be sort of twisted, either like physically or maybe mentally. Looking like a little baby Voldemort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it adds a gravitas and a, a importance to magic. And also it feels like it's a little bit of a balancing factor. So that because magic, it can seem so easy and it can seem like such a you know, Cop if you're, out. Exactly. You're a very powerful magician. You're just sort of un, unbeatable or undefeatable or, you know, you can just do whatever you want. And I like that this means that you can't do whatever you want. Yeah. I like the idea that this is like a sl- more of a slow acting thing, yeah. though. You know, like obviously you can have like a fun wizard fight. Totally. And that won't harm you. You can have McDonald's one day and it won't hurt you, right? But if you're having McDonald's every day, then totally. you're going to have some problems. It's like the 25-year-old mage is like chucking around fireballs. And then the 60-year-old yeah. mage is like, just hold on. You won't be able to do that when you're 45. Yeah. Your metabolism's going to catch up to you. And of course, the 25-year-old mage is like, forget it, grandpa. I can do whatever I want. And he skateboards out of there. And then one day they're 30 and they wake up the next day and they have an insane magic hangover and they're like oh my god my youth is flying away from me (laughs) oh perhaps this factors into like the different schools of magic too like mind body soul what magic do you practice how is that hurting you in the long run i think that's exactly what it is so then so like if you're doing body magic then if it's a physical yeah thing that's happening to you if it's mind yeah then perhaps some sort of mental decay right um and then soul Perhaps you just turn evil. I was going to say, maybe that's just like morality. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Because then it creates kind of automatic, like the idea of the super 
ancient, like evil wizard is maybe just a natural consequence of someone who's used soul magic for their entire life, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I think we can put a pin in that. That's really cool. Sure. Love that. Thank you, Evil Genius. And Chris the Guy. And Chris the Guy. I got a 12. Ley lines. Cool. So this was a real suggestion. I do know Jess, but uh, she sent this in on Twitter with the idea of ley lines. She actually linked to a really cool Cobalt Press, I think is the name of the publisher, um, supplement that introduces rules for ley lines in D&D 5th edition, I think. Um, But I just sort of took the general idea of ley lines. Do we have ley lines in our world? How do they work? What are they? I know that our friends Adele and Jasper will be listening to this, and they're a huge fan of ley lines, both of them. Are they a fan of ley lines? Are they a fan of the sexy boys who follow those ley lines in the series that's called The Raven Cycle? I'm not going to have you slander uh, The Raven Cycle. Yes, I'm not slandering it. What did I say? I didn't say anything bad. I don't know. There was a tone. But... Uh, the sexy boys in the Raven Cycle do make good use of those ley lines, and Adele and Jasper are both fans of the sexy boys as well as the ley lines themselves. Yeah, you can be a fan of both. I'm not suggesting that you can't. Yeah, they, they're they're tied together. The the ley lines and the sexy boys. <laughs> I'm gonna stop saying sexy boys now. They don't call them ley lines for nothing, right? Oh, damn. Anyway, so uh, ley lines. I like ley lines. I like Me the too. concept of ley lines. So ley lines for people who are listening and who are like, what are, what the hell? Ley lines are uh, sort of lines that crisscross the globe or crisscross the continent or wherever you are that kind of act as like a spike in magic in those areas. And oftentimes they'll lead somewhere like to a powerful magical source right. or something like that. Um, but yeah, basically they're, they're lines that, that crisscross an area that, that intensify magic when magic is performed on them. Yeah, there are ways in which the weave of magic is interwoven into the actual landscape. How does this fit into what we've already established about Starscar's magic system? Oftentimes people talk about like things about like people building civilizations along ley lines. Oh, interesting. And not by any conscious means, just kind of being attracted towards ley lines right? Um, and, and building things there. So we could do something like that, like some of our civilizations are are built along these ley lines and maybe they have weird things happening there. I mean, our current structure for sort of places where magical things happen is that they were struck by uh, the starfall. So what's the relationship maybe in between the starfall and ley lines? If some learned person were to look at the places where the starfall had hit the most, would those correspond with ley lines? I don't know. That almost makes the Starfall seem too ordered in a way. Unless the ley lines were established by the first Starfall. But then that would imply that there are new ley lines now, thanks to this new Starfall. Maybe there are, Benjamin. (laughs) Oh, maybe Wizard School's just totally out of whack right now, because they were tracking all these ley lines, and now there's a bunch of brand new ley lines, and they're like, what does this mean? That's cool. I I kind of like the idea of ley lines being a clue that one could follow to sort of try to figure something out about the Starfaller to sort of try to make order of the chaos. That's true. We don't know where necessarily what those where those would lead or what looking at the ley lines would tell you exactly about the Starfall, other than that perhaps there are new ones. But I think it is cool to have that element. Yeah, definitely. Um, what are your thoughts on the civilizations along the ley lines? I really like that too. Yeah. Okay. I think that, yeah, I think a lot of our big cities and civilizations could be built on even more ancient places, right? As big cities often are. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, originally those could have been built consciously or like you said, unconsciously on ley lines. Do you think the giant snail city follows a ley line? I was wondering about that. 
just naturally because the snail is big and magic in it. And maybe that's part of why the people who live there are able to access magic so so easily. Yeah. Are other magical creatures and monsters attracted to ley lines? Like, you know, does a dragon's migratory patterns follow along a ley line as well? Yeah. I like the idea of like magical beasts sort of being drawn there. Perhaps not sent well, sentient folks to a degree as well. But yeah, I feel like elves are like super into ley lines. Uh, elves are massive ley line fanboys. <laughs> Big ley line stands. They've got all their albums. I think we can put a pin in that. Okay. I was going to say, do we want to invent a sexy group of boys that make use of this, <laughs> the ley lines, just for Jasper and Adele? Uh, maybe at a later, at a later <laughs> date. All right. <laughs> we'll put a pin in that. But Jasper and Adele, stay tuned. They're coming. <laughs> just the All sexy right. boys episode. Sexy. Yeah. I got a six license oh. to spell from Scott. Oh. <laughs> uh, I pulled this from our last table. Uh-huh. Uh, I really like this, actually. Not on a universal basis, mm-hmm. but I do like the idea of certain societies um, having laws on who can use magic and who can't. Uh, are there any particular societies that you're thinking of for that? Well, we we definitely know, actually, that the elves limit magic use, although they do that. We do. We, they do that magically as well as, I imagine, legally. But maybe also are human agriculturalists? What do you think? Yeah, I feel like humans in general really like to legislate, so. Our hero wizard society is an interesting one because the rulers of that city use magic. Have they gone so far as to limit who else can use magic? I'm almost wondering if, like, the main magical school we've talked about, like, where right. people go to learn magic, is that in the hero wizard city? We, I mean, we haven't, we've talked about magic schools, but we haven't established that there is one for sure. Should we say, oh. th- it's actually on here, Andrew, Jesse, and Laura all suggested this. This is true. Do we want to say that? I'm okay with saying that there is a magic school in the city. Like, that, is that where those, because, you know, the whole hero wizard city is a Harry Potter reference anyways. Mm-hmm. So we, do we want to say that's where those young wizards came from originally? Or is that too on the nose? Or is that too on the nose? I don't know. Or did they establish it after? Like, since they rose to power, have they established a magic school? So it's newer. It's not like in a really old one. Well, I guess like uh, these are hero wizards, perhaps they would want to like share their knowledge i know that they're like at the point where they're at in our story they're not as altruistic as they used to be i like the idea that maybe one of them has established a school and his name is salazar slytherin (laughs) well i think that's a cool political element because since they're sort of a ruling council they all manage different areas of the city and so one of them maybe is like oh i'll start a school and we'll handle like the education of new wizards and when they're young and idealistic 50 years ago they're all like that sounds great yeah and now 50 years later they're realizing like oh all of the wizards who come out of that school like are in that one guy's pocket yeah like he's basically now controls this magic school it's like an asset to him for new wizards who who are on his side i really like that and then yeah i think that you'd need to go to school it'd be like driving school right like you right in order to spell you'd need to go to to wizard school for it in that city and that would mean that this wizard who controls the school is able to controls the law <laughs> when it comes to wizards and that the other wizards can't have you know their magical servants their own magical servants and agents because they all come out of this one school yeah also thinking for the EE, Drakum seems like a city where you'd need a license to spell. For sure. Yeah. And probably one that you have to pay for. Definitely. And then uh, our Eldritch God Society as well, I feel also would use that because it's all about the three estates, right? And so yeah. the noble class would probably want to control. Yeah, I do feel like probably you can generally assume in this world that in very caste based societies where there is kind of a peasant class that they would be unlikely to be allowed to use magic. Yeah. 
Um, how about in our our magical queen? Oh, yeah, that's right, our empress. Yeah, I think we had talked about her being sort of selfish with magic too. So is it just like completely banned other than I her? I think it's completely banned. Yeah. I don't think that she would want any challenge to her power. Banned in the witch queen's kingdom. And I believe that's time. Great. All right. Honestly, we pretty much killed this table. We did kill this table. A listener suggestion that we didn't get to was Johnny B. Hood, who suggested Crystals and Gems' focuses on Reddit. Thank you so much for that, Johnny B. Hood. We kind of covered that in the last Magic episode because we talked about Stardust being infused into stones and used as the tips of wands and that kind of thing. So I think that totally fits in Mm -hmm. that stardust crystals or gems could be used as magical focuses. And then we also missed uh, Stalin 933. Oh, that's right. I think we get to that too. Maybe we save that for talking about religion or something like that because it was sort of a Mm -hmm. magic and religion suggestion, which I thought was really cool. So I think we'll save that. But thank you for everyone's suggestions. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And we're happy that you guys are getting involved in the podcast. I know. It's really exciting to like be doing this with you guys and we'll soon be out of our initial backlogged episodes and then pretty much every episode will have listener suggestions on kind of a running basis updated very new and fresh and always with this level of audio which is good i know it's a bit weird to go back and forth i was gonna say to go back and forth in between the two levels of audio but thank you for bearing with us you can tune in next wednesday for another episode it'll be our gods and goddesses episode with our friend Corey ann so get your suggestions in for that if you haven't already. There is a thread on our subreddit, our This Realm is Your Realm. You can also tweet those suggestions at us at This Realm Pod or DM us at This Realm Pod or email us thisrealmpod at gmail.com. If you like the show so far, please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. You can also tweet about the show with the hashtag This Realm Pod, or you can just tell a friend about it. We'd love that. We'd appreciate it. Yes. And our pantheon is open. For all your gods and goddesses. That's right. Come on down. But up, but up, but up, but.